Hello and welcome to UW Oshkosh Police Department's UWOPD On The Mic podcast. This is a podcast developed by the UW Oshkosh Police Department that focuses on having authentic conversations around safety, policing, resources, and questions that we hear from our community members. The idea is to provide our community members with answers to questions that will ultimately increase their desire to partner with us and really other law enforcement agencies that will help them solve problems, reduce the fear in our community, and build stronger relationships with each other. And we're here today with some great guests, and so I just want to say hello, and uh, I'm going to kind of move around the room here and let you introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Mi Bing Zhong. I am the Asian Outreach Victim Advocate at Reach Counseling. And hello, everybody. My name is Kyleen. I am a prevention educator and a youth and teen advocate. Hello, everybody. My name is Sarah, and I am also a prevention educator and a youth and teen advocate. Hi, my name is Mike Bartline. I'm the detective at UW Oshkosh Police Department. So as you can tell, it's a pretty full room, which is kind of exciting. It's not a very big room either, so we're all kind of snuggled here. <laughs> and we're just super excited to have this conversation. I think this is a great way to talk about some of the resources that are available for students and our community members here at UW Oshkosh. So can you talk a little bit about REACH Counseling and what you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So REACH Counseling is a sexual assault counseling center. We're located in Nina. We've been around since 1976. We originally started as the Winnebago County Rape Crisis Center, but we've evolved so much since then. We have so many different programs now and services that include um, long-term treatment of trauma, especially relating to physical and sexual abuse. So we have a lot of different services we offer and maybe me and Sarah can talk a little bit more about those as well. Yeah, thank you, Kylene. That was great. Um, we do have so some of our REACH programs that we have here. We do counseling, whether that is short-term um, or long-term crisis counseling. We have like evidence-based trauma treatments, um, advocacy. So we do like youth advocate programs, outreach to trafficked persons and culturally competent services to native peoples and Latinx uh, populations, along with, again, what Kylene said, prevention education and then sex sexual offender treatment, along with some specialized programs, which is like the anti-trafficking, indigenous connections, youth and teen advocate, and all that great stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's a lot of resources. And I would say, so just a question. So if I'm a student or a community member and I want to connect with REACH, how do I do that? Do I call you? Do I text you? Do you reach out to me? How does that work? The best way to get a hold of us at REACH is to call our main office line, which is 920-722-8150. And just let someone know that you're looking to talk to an advocate and someone will respond to you within 28 to 48 hours. Okay, so that's not a 24-hour line, but somebody responds to you pretty quickly. So it is a 24-hour line. If you call during the daytime, our typical response time is going to be about 24 to 48 hours, so they can respect a response in about a day or two. If it's after hours, you're still going to call that main office line. It's either going to go to our on-call staff or volunteer, and so Every month we have a calendar that goes out to our volunteers and our paid staff and they sign up for shifts as who wants to be on call that night. And if a phone call would come in to our main office line, it gets routed to our answering service where they would answer the phone, kind of gauge what's going on and give an advocate a call so they can respond, whether that's to a SANE exam or a police department or anything like that. Okay. Or even a crisis call. So you're you're sitting here at UWOPD, and we're doing this podcast together. And I think two things: I am with the police department, and I want to connect with somebody 
what do I do in that moment? That seems a little scary. Like I have to call who, who, how does that work? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a little freaked out to make a phone call about these situations or I'm not at the police department and I want to make that phone call still seems a little scary. What do you, what do you say to somebody like that? Right. Well, in that situation, all of our advocates and volunteers are trained to respond in that situation, you know, with kindness, with respect. All of our values in REACH actually make up the name REACH, respect, empowerment, accountability, collaboration, and healing. And so any situation where we get a call like that, that's how we respond. And so it can be a very intimidating and scary thing. But when you call that main line and you get routed to an advocate, we pick up that line and we're automatically going to treat you with respect. We're going to believe whatever situation has happened to you. And we're going to make sure that you in that moment feel safe and get to a safe place and accomplish the next steps that you want to do, whether you want to pursue legal justice, whether it means healing justice, more personal things like that. Um, we can also connect you to other, you know, all of our REACH counseling services and other resources in the area that we have available to us. Okay. I'm just thinking like uh, Detective Bartline, do you have any thoughts about how you've had to connect with somebody from REACH and what's your experience been on helping somebody? There's multiple ways that we'll be engaged with REACH counseling. For instance, a victim slash survivor can present themselves at the police department. And what we're going to do, it, it, it all depends on what direction they want to go from there. So if they want a SANE exam, we're going to transport them to the hospital, but we're also going to have dispatch reaching out to reach to get an advocate to meet us at the hospital. It could be a situation where it happens in residence halls. We respond there. That's kind of the same scenario. We're on our way to the hospital. We're getting a hold of reach. Now, Sometimes they don't want an exam. So what we're going to do in those situations is try to get a counselor involved. There's, there's so many variables in it, but the textbook way we would like a situation like this to go is for the initial officer to get a basic idea of what happened. And the purpose of this is we want to determine if we need to collect specific evidence or if there's someone out there that we need to take into custody. But we want that interview to be relatively brief. Years ago, they would call in a detective and have them conduct a follow-up interview right away. They've kind of gone away from that. They like maybe eight hours to pass between that disclosure and the lengthy interview. So in those situations, I'm going to reach out to Reach Counseling, have an advocate meet me here, and we'll typically do those interviews in our recorded interview room. Yeah, that's great information. And then my next question is, what does it cost me? Like, do I have to pay you to do these things? This is really, really a great resource. And so I'm just curious, is there a cost? Our advocacy services are completely free of charge for survivors. Um, our counseling services do require payment. However, we do operate on sliding scale fees. So if someone doesn't have insurance or their insurance doesn't pay for this specific type of counseling, um, we can still connect them with the services that they need and want. Okay. And then I just want to add to what Sarah had mentioned too. You don't have to be a client of REACH where you are a sexual assault advocate with REACH if you are with someone else, but you still need the counseling and you cannot afford it somewhere else. We're here to help you guys with that too. And then we can get you connected with our counselors and therapists on site. Okay. Yeah. And there's three people from REACH in the room, but I've heard there's so many more. Like you have a lot of different personnel who work there. I'm just curious if you could share a little bit about the passion of the people who work in, in REACH. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have really big teams and kind of like me was saying earlier, we have a lot of different programs. We have our entire counseling team. Goodness, we've been expanding so much there. I want to say we have at least 10 counselors. 
about that many. So at least 10 different counselors, um, primarily females, but we do have two male counselors as well. And then three of those individuals work with our sex offender treatment program. So we do work with sex offenders, you know, helping them get coping skills, mechanisms, things like that, and trying to just change the trajectory of their life. Our whole advocacy team is another one of our programs. We have about 10 to 11 advocates now, all in various programs. And then those are also culturally specific programs. So we have a black and African-American advocate. We have a Latina community advocate. We have an Asian advocate, me, obviously. We have a lot of different youth and teen advocates, and then we have our prevention education program. So most of us that are youth and teen advocates, there's about five of us on the team right now, and then two interns. Um, We're all in the prevention education program. So there's a lot of people at REACH, a lot of different people that you can get connected to. And it's one of those things, too, where the survivor is our main focus and our main priority. And even when it kind of to answer your question again before about, you know, that's an intimidating process reaching out to REACH, you know, the survivor gets to make all of those decisions and those choices. And it's our job to help them feel comfortable along the way, to help them know what their decisions are. And that can include working with different people at REACH, too, and finding the person that they gel with. Yeah, and that might start before they end up at our police department, right? I mean, that might start with somebody who listens to this podcast at some point and goes, you know, I was sexually assaulted. I had no clue where to start. I was very scared or concerned. Uh, I felt like it was my fault or that I shouldn't be, you know, reaching out to somebody they could start with you and you would help guide them through what that process looks like, right? Absolutely. And you know, that's where that hotline really comes really in handy, especially for a lot of our referrals. We get referrals a lot of different ways. Sometimes the schools reach out to us. Sometimes it's the police department. Sometimes it's the hospital. But when people call that line, you know, we take into consideration what your specific needs are, whether you've been sexually assaulted in the past, you know, years ago, whether it's happened recently. And we help explain what you can do if you want to pursue you know, legal advocacy, medical advocacy, personal advocacy, those are the primary areas that we as advocates work with. Um, Legal advocacy can look like working with different police officers, you know, you guys trying to help walk through and be there too for that experience, you know, what an interview could look like, what it looks like to give a victim impact statement. If, you know, this is something where we're trying to build a case and it needs to go to trial, you know, helping victims through that experience and explaining the entire process, even with medical advocacy and doing the SANEs, like Sarah said, you know, we explain what happens in a SANE and we're there to be there for you. And if you need us to, you know, hold your hand and make sure you're comfortable throughout the whole thing, make sure that you feel, um, you know, as comfortable as you can through that experience. And then the personal advocacy, too, you know, connecting you to the counseling services, helping you, you know, with coping mechanisms, safety planning, things like that, and just making sure that you feel as safe as you can and try to accomplish whatever your goals are too. Okay. And then this is just, I'm the question guy. If you haven't freaked this out, I'm the guy who asks the questions in the room. I always think there's at a university, there's almost like two separate or potential processes, right? There's the criminal investigative process, which could occur, or there's what we call title nine which is an investigation on the university side of things. And so depending on which process or if I'm going through both, are you available regardless? Yes. That was, that was too quick. That was just a simple yes. Okay. So (laughs) regardless, you can connect with reach and reach will help you out. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you have to be with detective Bartline or somebody at our department working on a criminal investigation. Reach is still available anytime. Yes. Okay. Very good. So I capitalized on the first few minutes of this thing. Do you have questions that you want to kind of work through here with us? Yes, we had some questions for you guys and just, you know, wanting to kind of explain, you know, to any of the viewers and the listeners, you know, what happens on the university side, right? You know, what does reporting on campus look like? What can students do here if they experience sexual assault or if they have in the past? Well, yeah, certainly 
oftentimes that happens where um, people will come here and just want to report the incident. They may not want an advocate with them. Usually that interview is going to be with me. And what I'd like to do is set up the interview again in our recorded interview room just up the road. But what I begin my interview with is advising them what rights they have as a victim. Go over some safety planning, but then it is. It's just sitting down, talking to me. You know, it, it's going to be directed by that person on what direction we go. So, yeah, it's it's not super formal. It, I try to make it as uh, non-scary as possible, but um, that's pretty much what it would look like here. But, again, it can go in so many different directions depending on what they want to do. Are we going to the hospital? You know, are we just going to conduct it here? Yeah, and I just want to add to that a little bit too. So there's a lot of ways to connect with the police department we have an app called UWO Mobile, which you can search on App Store or Google Play. And uh, you basically, basically you just go in there and you can chat with a dispatcher or you can use that to give us a call or you can submit an online request through our website or through the app that kind of shares, here's a situation that occurred. Those can be done anonymously. However, if you're going to report a sexual assault, then it's always better if you can give us your information so we can connect with you and make sure that you're safe and that our community stays safe and also that we connect you with these resources we're talking about. That's police-related. If you don't really feel comfortable or you're not really sure if you want to talk to the police and maybe you you don't know about REACH or you don't want to connect with REACH, however, I'd argue if you're listening to this podcast, you should know about REACH now. Um, you could talk to our Dean of Students office, or you could talk to a community advisor in a residence hall, or our hall staff, or you could reach out to our Title IX office. You can go to uwosh.edu forward slash T-I-T-L-E-I-X, which is Title IX. I think I, I think I spelled that right. But if you Google Title IX, and there's actually a Title IX button that's in the app also, there's so many different ways to connect with us. Some information on the Title IX website will actually tell you about confidential reporting or non-confidential reporting. There's information on there about what your rights are as a victim or survivor. And so there's, there's just so many ways to start and connect that sometimes it's easiest just to reach out to somebody you feel comfortable talking to, and then they'll guide you to the best place to connect you to the information you're looking for. Speaking of confidentiality, our advocacy services are 100% confidential. So whatever is told to us in a, like in a space of just us and our survivor stays between us. We can't tell anybody. We can't turn around to you guys and say, oh, well, they told me this. We're 100% confidential as advocates as well. Yeah, and and we are not mandated reporters. That's great to know, too, and that's probably a worthy conversation from our end, too. If you come to us and share information, then we have an obligation to share that information with different areas of the campus. We actually would send it to the Title IX person who would then reach out because there's some legal obligations for us to connect and make sure that both you're safe and our community is safe. So the idea here is that you understand how to navigate those things so you know exactly where to go, where you'll feel the safest to share the information. And then I do just want to ask, what happens after reporting? That's a good question. It can go in multiple different directions. Again, it's based on what the individual wants. If they just want to report, we can we can document the incident. However, usually if someone documents the incident, I'm going to want to reach out to that other person. I don't want to just document one side of a story. But also, again, we can go the route of getting a SANE exam. If I investigate it and the individual feels that they would like that to go to the district attorney's office, I'd be more than happy to do that. The only time 
the situation is really kind of taken out of a victim's hands is if we think others could be in danger, then we're going to act no matter what. But again, it's, it's driven by each individual person. Yeah, and I think I would add to that too. Let's just say that you decide you want to get a SANE exam. That doesn't mean you have to report it to the police either. Like you could go get a SANE exam. That will actually retain evidence for the time that you are comfortable to report that in in the future, right? Is there any discussion yep. about that? Yep. And those, I believe it's, they say about nine and a half years that those kits are stored for. They typically, they say 10, but they like to tell people nine and a half just in case so that if it comes to that nine and a half time. Yeah, and I guess we just had like one more question for you guys too, and maybe this is more of a lighthearted one, kind of a more fun one, since you know this topic can be a little hard to talk about, can be a little heavy at times. Um, we just want to know, you know, why did you guys decide to be, you know, campus police here at UWO instead of some other agency? I guess oh, that's a good question. I thought you were going to ask us about donuts or something. So. <laughs> well, you can also share your favorite type of donut. I think that's a very important question. Maybe we all should share our favorite type of yeah. donut. I think we should. So, how about answer that first question, and then we'll all share our favorite type of donut. <laughs> So the reason I got into policing, let's be honest, most cops get involved because of the excitement of the job. You're not boxed in. There's so many different directions you can go, but you evolve as an officer. So initially, um, as a young patrol officer, I was really excited about, you know, the action. After three years, I became a detective, and then I was really excited about, like, major crime scenes, working cases like that. But after a period of time, um, that kind of wore off. And what I found more fulfilling, really, is working with others in crisis or customer service kind of based police work. And I found myself um, at my former employer, it was more about numbers, not necessarily the, the connection that you would have with your population. So this is a perfect fit for me because now that I come here, you deal with I'd say the lion's share of our job is customer service based. So Detective Bartline started in a different uh, agency and so did I. I have a few different agencies that I worked at before I came here. But when I was a student here, I actually worked here as a student employee, as a community service officer. And I was always kind of intrigued by the ability to see the connection between our police department and our community here at UW Oshkosh. And I couldn't agree more with what Detective Bartline's talking about. I just really appreciate the idea of what people call community policing, but I actually think it's relational policing. It's that connection with other humans to solve problems together and honestly make their life more fulfilling. Uh, and I think we all go through situations. I mean, if, you, if you're walking around in the world and you think that everyone walking around you is perfect, then you got a skewed understanding of life. You know what I mean? We all have something. We all have some sort of a story. And I think it took me... I've been in law enforcement almost 18 years now. I think it took me probably 12, 13 years to really figure out that my story when I was younger actually pushed me towards something like this. You know, in that cliche, I want to help people statement that you hear from people who get into law enforcement is actually expounded into many different areas of building relationships to solve problems. And so campus law enforcement to me is kind of amazing because you pay to come here as a student and then you get free access to a ton of resources, but you don't ultimately realize that sometimes. And in our job and Detective Bartline and I and the people who work here, we understand the resources, we understand the connection, we start building relationships with the people who are connected to those resources. And it's so easy for us to help you to them. 
You know what I mean? We get to be the bridge. We get to be the connection, which ultimately gets you a, a better opportunity for success. So it's kind of like a little bit of a perfect society where we ultimately have access to things that you might have a more difficult time getting connected to in a traditional community. So that's really why I've stuck around here. And um, that's why we're doing this, because I think it's really cool to be able to connect our community members to these resources. That's awesome. And my, oh, my favorite donut. You know, let me skip that question, right? So I, I guess I just really like Persian. It's like the cinnamon roll thing with mm. chocolate on it and the Those nuts so on the good. top. Those are yeah, really good. So. And Maybe I, yeah. you want to share your favorite donut? I don't have a favorite donut. I just what? eat any kind of donuts that's out there. That's <laughs> as long as they're moist and they're not like dry or anything, like then crusty. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. So there's not even like a favorite donut place? No. Okay, because nope. I was going to go with Mayfield. Not, not a favorite donut place. I'm I'm not as picky, so whatever that's donuts there and it's moist, I eat it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nice. I think I'm a big like Quick Trip Glazers fan. Oh, they're just so good. And um, so one of my friends, Grace, she would like buy glazers and she put them in her car in the summer and they'd melt a little bit and they'd be super gooey. And ever since she like taught me that trick, I do them all the time now and I'm just obsessed. I also eat any donut that's out there, but glazers have to be my favorite. My favorite donut is chocolate frosting with a Bavarian filling. And these are our kind of people. They seem to really like donuts. What do you think, Bartline? You're you're not. I don't think you're a donut guy. No, I'm I'm not a real big fan of donuts. I it's probably been 15 years or more since oh, I've had sad. one. I think that Detective really Bartline. Sad. I think he's a he's a bagel kind of guy. Yeah, I'd rather have a bagel. Yeah, it's a very healthy choice. It is. Yeah. Awesome. What other questions do you have for us? Yeah. Um. I guess what is one of your favorite parts about being a UWO campus police? I mean, I think it is what I just said. I think I being able to step in and connect people to things that we wouldn't typically have access to in a normal community, plus using what we develop here to expand upon the things that happen in the external community. I guess when I say external, the more extended community of UW Oshkosh, like the city or the county, I just really appreciate that. So, I guess for me... Um is getting to work with, we work with a lot of people in crisis here, um, and getting to work with them and finding out later that you've actually made an impact, um, and you're not going to find that out very often. However, I, I think if, if I hear from one student that I've made a major impact, I've probably made a major impact to a dozen more. I think that's really incredible, and I think that's a lot of why, you know, maybe you know, us three and a lot of the people that work at REACH, too, like why we have chosen to be in this field as well, because it's a very difficult field to be in working with sexual assault survivors. And, you know, we hear a lot of really hard stories, but even if you, you know, on occasion happen to find out that you've made an impact on someone else and, or you get to see, you know, you have a client that you work with and you get to see the progress that they make. It's just, it's huge. And it really reminds us why we do what we do. Yeah, in this line of work, I like to think about the tiny victories and just how victorious they are, because it can be something so simple, like, a client doing something for themselves and you just get so excited because you're like oh my gosh like that's amazing and it's just so exciting and like it just fills me with so much joy so I like looking at the tiny victories I think the tiny victories mean so much yeah so I am now curious about how reach has specific programs for other people and I'm just wondering can you share you know if I is it is it just 
sexual violence or are there other programs that I can get resources in relationship to? Yeah, I mean, we deal primarily in sexual violence, uh, not usually domestic violence. Uh, Christine and domestic shelters here in Oshkosh, they do sexual violence and domestic violence. So we usually refer out to other services for domestic. Um, but when it comes to sexual violence, you know, we have those counseling, the advocacy programs, again, the sexual offender treatment programs, um, the specific specialized programming. Um, our prevention education program, I think, is huge. I think we're making a lot of strides with those, especially in the Oshkosh schools. Uh, we serve all Winnebago County schools schools and we're working on expanding our reach into out of gaming Calumet counties as well we just met with the Appleton area school district superintendent so we're making strides there and I know you know as a prevention educator and I think Sarah can agree with me on this too we love starting those conversations in the schools trying to have this difficult conversation but it's really interesting that when you do start that conversation you see how many kids are so invested in it because they're aware that it happens, whether it's happened to them or someone else they know, and they really take an interest in it because they want to help keep themselves safe and keep other people safe too and get in those healthy relationships too. And we do talk a lot about those um, in our school presentations. Do you get people from UW Oshkosh who reach out and say, hey, I'd like you to come and do a presentation for us? Is that something that they could They could absolutely do that. We've had a lot of other different programs reach out uh, because we've been primarily in the schools up until this point. But Haley, our prevention education manager, you know, she's been trying to expand the prevention ed program even more. We've done presentations for staff at different schools. Uh, We, you know, we're on set to do one for Boys and Girls Club in Oshkosh at some point. Uh, We did one for foster parents statewide. If any other programs here at EWO, they could definitely reach out to us and we can do any kind of presentation. We can tailor those presentations to what they specifically want us to talk about, whether that's about reaching our services or about sexual assault. Even for foster parents statewide, we talked a lot about ACEs and trauma and how, you know, that's what sexual assault is. And when kids experience those things, it can change a lot of how their brain functions and how they function themselves too. And so trying to educate in that aspect, we can do a lot of those different things. So I encourage, you know, if there's any other UWO listeners out there, if they want to, you know, try to book us for some kind of presentation or event, we're always interested in doing that as well. We do a lot of outreach events too. And so we're always up to doing those things in the community community as well. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I just have another question for you guys. What is UWO doing for Sexual Assault Awareness Month? Or maybe this would be more on us to talk about some events that are coming up. Yeah, I think we were talking about this before we started the podcast. And I think, you know, we're interested in knowing a little bit about what's going on and how we can actually be involved in some of the things. And I I was looking at the list. It looks like there's a lot of really cool things that are going to happen in April. And so we'll probably roll this podcast out and then help figure out how we can be involved with those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I can share some of those right now too. You know, we'll make sure to send all this out uh, so that, you know, anyone can attend these and that everyone knows about what's going on. But just right now, um, on the, off the top of our head, we're planning some things with um, Christine Ann. On April 3rd, it'll actually be here on campus. Um, you know, we'll be talking about healthy relationships with them. It'll be hosted by the UWO Women's Center. Um, there's Ask and Advocates throughout the month with different cultural groups and Reach Counseling. People of Progression is one of those groups. Reach Counseling is another. I know Planned Parenthood is doing one as well. Those are all be virtual things. Um, there's Latina women's group and other women's group as as well. Um, you know, kind of these, uh, group therapy sessions a little bit that are being offered at reach counseling throughout the month. And that's something that we do have as a continuous thing, even not during sexual assault awareness month. I know, um, April 9th through 15th is actually STD awareness week. And so there'll be free STD tests for UWO uh, students at the student health center all throughout that week, April 10th through the 14th. 
I know there's a lot of other really exciting things planned as well. There's um, rain day tabling. Um, That's an opportunity for college students to demonstrate their allyship to their peers in the fight against sexual violence. That'll be held at the Reunion Concourse on April 13th. I know more information will be coming out about that soon. There's also a lot of other fun things too, like this Crafts Coffee and Community event that's going on. Uh, The Women's Center here at UWO is putting that on at the Women's Center. That's on April 14th. Um, And I mean, that's only halfway through the month. There's so many other awesome things that are going on throughout that month. And we'll be sending out all these things, you know, denim day tabling. That's on April 26th. Um, Sustaining our joy. This is a really neat event that I really hope that we're putting on again this year. This would also be hosted by the UW Women's Center. I know we're still in the works of planning a lot of these things, but that would be towards the end of the month as well. Talking about more healing justice um, and what it looks like to move past an event like this for yourself, right? If you're not seeking legal justice or maybe you have and it worked out or it didn't work out regardless, you know, how can you yourself move on from this um, and take this really hard experience and empower yourself through it and empower your future. So lots of really fun events happening throughout the month. We'll make sure to get a specific list to you guys so that you guys can help us promote those as well so that people on campus know all about those. But it's going to be an exciting month, I think, for all of us, you know, having those hard conversations and trying to take this difficult topic and make it more of an empowering thing. Yeah, thanks for sharing those. I think we'll also be looking forward to getting them so we can put them on our news feed and just talk about how we can be involved in those. And then I think also there's a campus vision on UW Oshkosh's like computers or there's TVs all over the campus where I think some of those will have flyers on there too. So just be on the lookout. Yes, absolutely. And then I don't want to miss any great resources that you offer. So I'm just curious if there's any other, you know, I guess as I think, more about this and I think about you you made a comment about a program that was coming up and then let's just say that somebody came into the police department reported a sexual assault and we did an investigation and sent it over to the district attorney's office what happens then like how, how do we help them you know what I mean or, or what if they have to wait and there's not an answer it's not charged yet or you know I'm just interested in a little bit about how you help somebody with that piece going forward Typically, once a case goes to the DA, it can go about two different ways. The DA is either going to take the case or the DA is going to decide against taking the case. And so there's about two options, really. Um, If the DA decides to take the case, then we work pretty closely with our clients, um, preparing for court, victim impact statements, making sure that they feel like they're in a good place for a lot of this to happen, especially because a lot of the times going to court testifying, being in that room can be very re-traumatizing for victims. Um, And so it's really just acclimating them, making them feel as comfortable as they can about being in the courtroom and possibly having to look at the person who hurt them. Um, If the DA does not decide to take the case, then it's a lot of support typically for our survivors. Um, It's a really harrowing experience to be told like there's just not enough evidence or if it was a he said, she said kind of case, then a lot of the times those are the ones that the DA isn't going to take. And a lot of the times it can be really frustrating. It's usually a lot of conversations, a lot of support and empowerment, personal advocacy afterwards, coping skills, A lot of things like that. But no, our clients don't just drop off. We are there with them every step of the way as long as they want us there. We will always support our people. And so it just depends on when they want to get rid of us. And in the past, I've had advocates call me and ask for um, my opinion on cases that they 
sent over to the DA's office. And um, I'll be honest with them and tell them my opinion. If they feel strongly about it, they'll contact the district attorney's office and advocate on behalf of their client. So th there's a lot of, of communication that um, the advocates have had with um, those individuals. Yeah, and to kind of add to what you both said, but especially what you said, Sarah, too, you know, we stick with our clients as long as they want us. Um, for me, you know, I've only been at REACH for a few months now, but I've had clients for a few months, or I've had them for a few weeks. I know Sarah's had some for several months. We have other advocates that have had clients for years, um, that they've developed this relationship with them, and that, you know, they're there to support them through all the ups and downs that come with a situation like this where you have been hurt. Whether that means your abuser is in your life still, and it's trying to, you know, separate them from your life, or maybe they come back into your life in the future. I mean, there's so many ups and downs with this, um, even personally, too, and emotionally, how you feel throughout your life or if you try to get into a healthy relationship again you know we stick with our people as long as they want us there and we're always going to be there for them this doesn't sound too scary like it actually sounds very helpful very empathetic very connected uh, sounds like a great opportunity if you've experienced something to be engaged and be involved with people who will truly help you care about your situation and help you get through the situations that are most difficult for you Absolutely. And I mean, we have training to make sure that we can do that. I mean, not only do we have empathy and compassion and those skills that you can't always be trained on, but all of our advocates have. Um, we are trained in like trauma-informed care and crisis response and, um, you know, different types of prevention education and educating, you know, on healthy and unhealthy behaviors and relationships and safe and unsafe actions. You know, we've, we're taught how to handle those situations and how to put our clients at the center of that and make sure that, you know, we're doing everything we can to help them through that experience and help them get to the place where they want to be. Sounds great. I'm curious a little bit about human trafficking and do you offer resources for that and what does that look like? Sorry, uh, Sarah and I were trying to decide who was going to answer that one. Um, yes, we do. We actually do have a specific um, human trafficking advocate, Nora. Um, she wasn't able to be here with us today because she is just all over the place. She's always doing work, always trying to serve survivors of that experience um, and people in that community that are trying to prevent that from happening. But we do have, um, you know, an anti-human trafficking and exploitation advocacy program. Um, and Nora heads that up. She is there, you know, if police are, you know, trying to get involved in a situation like that, they will call Nora and she can come there and try to work with survivors, um, you know, firsthand, right, in that crisis situation, try to get them to a comfortable place, um, try to help them speak about their experiences if they can in that moment to help the officers, you know, in a in a frontline situation like that. I mean, she's there for the follow-up as well. If there's any kind of court cases, if there's, you know, trying to make sure that people get to a safe place, that they have a place to live, if they need to be in a hotel room for the night, we have resources like that. If they need gas cards, if they need grocery donations, uh, we have other donations as well for clothing and hygiene items and things like that, that she knows all about. Um, and those are all different resources that we can provide. And she works very closely with different PD in the area um, and also other communities and domestic shelters as well. Um, so Nora is very hands-on with that. And so again, if a situation like that, if you ever find yourself in a human trafficking situation, please call, you know, if you can, 911. You can also call Reach's main line. Um, and I know there's a lot of safe numbers too, even if you find yourself at a gas station, I've seen on the back of bathroom doors, right? There's always information like that. And, you know, we try to get involved um, if we can and if the, if the survivors want us to as well to be there to help support them through that process, to help them get their life where they want to be if that means, you know, finding a place to live, finding a community where they feel respected and people they can talk to. We help with all of those and we're there for every step of the way. I haven't worked with uh, Nora yet, but I did work 
quite a bit with the uh, former uh, anti-human trafficking advocate. And one of the things that they um, were able to do is education. And that's one area where there's so many urban myths that go around about what human trafficking looks like. And it, it's nothing like what human trafficking actually looks like. So th- that's one major thing that, that they do that is, is really helpful, especially here at the university. Yeah, and my next question, I think that's great. I think there's not enough conversation about human trafficking, what that looks like, what it can be, and how do you get connected to a resource. So if you're not sure, I would reach out, and somebody will help guide you through some of what those resources are or help answer some of those questions. My next question is, I, I know you spoke about some programs that might be more geared towards minoritized or marginalized or underrepresented community members, and I'm just curious if you can speak a little bit more to that topic so that we can connect anybody who exists in that community with uh, comfort knowing that you can offer those resources too. Yeah, so like I said before, my name is Me. I am the Asian Outreach Victim Advocate. So um, anybody who falls under Southeast Asian or the Asian community, if they need help, um, they feel like they don't have a support system, whether that is like a family um, member or a friend to a relative, they are more than welcome to reach out to me. My email is me at uh, reachcounseling.com and I'd love to be able to get them connected with our resources and our partners to get them t- situated in our organization and part of my job is to really do my outreach with the Asian community as well so attending cultural events to um, doing any kind of presentation with the different home clubs or Asian clubs around the Fox cities and getting uh, doing mentorships with the students in the AASD district as well oh that's great I think that's really good to know, and I think it's nice that any population really could reach out to any one of us sitting at this table, and we will connect them with a resource to make sure that they have what they need. So Absolutely, and at REACH, too, I mean, that's all part of our values, and we want our survivors to have that voice and to feel like they're represented, and that's why we have so many different members of the community that work as advocates at REACH. You know, we have that black African-American advocate. We have a Latina community advocate, and those individuals work very closely with those different communities so that they the communities themselves feel like they're being represented and being heard and that they know that they have a seat at the table in this fight against sexual assault. Very good. Is there any last things that we wanted to chat about before we sign off? Well, one thing that's coming that's very exciting is REACH uh, received a grant to have a university advocate. So we're going to be working with REACH on that. The advocate's going to be shared between UW Oshkosh and Lawrence which is great for me because, you know, once you work with someone so often, you understand each other and, and how you operate. And I was at a meeting last Friday and they asked me what I wanted in this advocate. And I said, I want multiple things. But one thing is I want them to be 99% advocate for their victim and 1% advocate for me, just so the victim can understand me a little bit better. And if I ask questions that seem very odd. They're going to know why I ask those questions and be able to explain that, which is very important for me. But yeah, I'm really excited about that. Should be coming on on pretty soon. Yeah, it's very exciting. Thanks for sharing that. I knew that was coming, but I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say it or not. I'm glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. Um, We also have a volunteer program at REACH. um, And so... 
some areas in which people can come and volunteer for us are, of course, our on-call calendar. If you want experience responding to crisis, if you are looking to go into social work or psychology, this would be a really great opportunity for you to get some hours in. I know specifically at UWO, you need to have volunteer hours to get into their social work program. This would be a great place for you to get those. We have volunteer with our on-call calendar. We also have some opportunities in our office spaces. I think right now we're looking for a receptionist on Wednesdays from like 2.30 to 4.30. And then we also would take volunteers to do prevention education if you'd like to go into the schools and talk to kids about the difference of safe and unsafe touches. Definitely reach out to us. We love having volunteers. Yes, we love our volunteers so much. And I think something important to note, too, is that, um, you know, if you do get involved in our volunteer program, especially for our on-call calendar, um, not only do you get so much experience and get to be a part of a really neat opportunity to get to meet survivors and help them feel more empowered through these experiences, um, we can also write letters of recommendation, can talk to different university professors. Um, We can make sure that you're getting the credit that you need for these on-call hours and all that you're doing. And we can be a part of that for you to help um, other people, especially our volunteers, advance their careers, whether that's to go into a field like this or any kind of field in social work, psychology, education, all kinds of things. You know, a lot of that goes into play at REACH. And so we're always looking to do what we can to help people further their careers in that. And a great way to do that is become one of our volunteers. Excellent. Yeah, there's tons of volunteers and we actually end up with some interns here who help us a ton too. So (laughs) I like to leverage that. And I just wanted to follow up with, I know you said it's in Nina, so I happen to know where it is in Nina, but if I wanted to go to reach, what's the best way to get there from UW Oshkosh or UW Fox Cities, which is probably in that region? We are right off of the Breezewood Bell Street exit of Highway 41 in Nina, and we are right down Commercial Street, right across the street from the McDonald's. You really can't miss it, I promise. Yeah, it's well, you could. Cool. Our building looks like a house. Um, it's yellow. It's yellow. Yellow house mm-hmm. with a nice white porch. Yes, yes. it's yes. it's like a homey. It's a homey little house, right? Um, but you know, our specific ad- address is 1509 South Commercial Street. Um, but we're also opening up a location in Appleton since we are expanding into out of Gaming and Calumet counties as well. That'll be on Richmond Street. Uh, we actually share an office with People of Progression, um, and so the. Diverse and resilient. Why did I have that wrong for a second? Diverse and resilient. <laughs> um, both really great organizations. And so we're excited about, you know, moving up there as well and having both of those spaces open so that we can continue to expand our reach and serve all the different populations um, in the Fox Valley area and in Winnebago County. And then uh, reachcounseling.com. Yes. And yes. See, that was a yes. And then <laughs> can you just repeat the phone numbers to connect with you again? Our phone number is 920-722-8150. That is our main office line and our 24-hour hotline. So someone will pick up that phone, whether it is 3 p.m. or 3 a.m. Yeah, and you're not required to be somebody who already has a relationship with REACH. You can just reach out. You can be a student. You don't have to be from Nina, Wisconsin. You can be from our region or anywhere where you just need to connect with somebody to get help. Absolutely. Anybody in... Winnebago, Outagamie, or Calumet County. All right. This was a really great conversation. I just want to make sure we didn't miss anything really important that we wanted to share. Everybody looks like they're in a pretty good place. Yeah, I think we talked about everything we wanted to, all the important things, even including our favorite donuts. So that was, you know, that's a really important thing to talk about. So I agree. I'm really glad yeah. we got to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll chat about pizza because donuts and cops seems too cliches. So. <laughs> we also like pizza, so. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for investing time in our community. We really appreciate that. Uh, this ultimately helps expand how we keep our students safe. And so I just want to say thank you for, for you coming in here and investing your specific time, but also for REACH allowing you to be in our space. And uh, for our students and our listeners, reach out because uh, they're here to help you. And we will also connect you if you need to. So feel free to come in and talk to us and we can take your report, take your information and get you connected to REACH Counseling so that you can be successful through that experience that you've had to, to go through. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing too to keep our community safe. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, here we go. Thank you.